0: Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. I am your host, Ken Pistachio-Seymour, with your host, Richard Tapioca-Geiger. Butterscotch. <laughs> Tapioca, because you're all Oh, lumpy. yes, slumpy. <laughs> so, we have a fun little episode for you today. We are going to be talking a little bit about a convention that I had the opportunity to take a look at just a few weeks ago. I wanted to have my friend Richard with me, but the, the timing, it just did not work. But uh, the convention we're talking about specifically is called Who's Your Con, an annual convention that takes place in Indianapolis once per year, hence annual Have you ever heard of it? (laughs) Hence Hoosier. That's right.
1: Wait, that's not how it's spelled, though.
0: No, not quite. Had you heard about it before I told you about this particular convention? No. All right,
1: okay. Had you heard about it before you researched this convention?
0: Yes, I had. I've known about it for years. I just hadn't had the opportunity to go to it. Uh, A couple of friends are regularly involved with, with what's going on. Uh, this was a very small convention that eventually blossomed into something larger. And in fact, we are going to end this particular episode with a small interview with Nick Shoemaker, who is uh, uh, one of the people involved with running the convention every year. Uh, and he'll give us a little bit better idea, specifically of the history of the convention mm. and kind of what its aims and everything are. But so I took you to NWI. Uh, as your first convention uh, experience as a comic book-based convention. This was a completely different thing. This was a game convention. I was kind of hoping to dip your toe into the other side of what we're going to be getting into when we go to Gen Con, which is a gaming convention, uh, but on a dramatically different size uh, difference. Um, you know. It, you can you can fit about uh, a thousand Hoosier cons in one Gen con, uh, but that's both uh, a good and a bad thing.
1: You Aren't they in the same spot? No, no. Where was Hoosier con at?
0: Hoosier con was in a. Uh, it was basically in a hotel. That uh, is it, it changes kind of from year to year But uh, this year the hotel that it was in it Was large enough to kind of Take care of everything that you Needed um, It was specifically at the Wyndham Indianapolis West Oh I thought you were going to say like a holiday inn And I was going to do like say what <laughs> One room we're, we're in the ballroom at the holiday inn No no the, they've been doing this For a little while and uh, it's, a, it's a little different than NWI. I mean, there are some similarities. You got throngs of people occasionally in costume that are that are doing things. But so as NWI is prominently a, a vendor hall, essentially. I mean, you had the stage and you had a bunch of people selling stuff, and that's pretty much what the convention was with NWI. There is definitely still a vendor hall for Hoosier Con, but it's a smaller aspect, um, and, and it's. It is not the focus of the convention. There's definitely some cool stuff to see in there. Their, their vendor room probably comprised maybe 15 to 20 vendors, um, a variety of different things, whether you're talking about some really nice woodworking or some uh, sh- shot glasses or beer glasses with specific game-related stuff on it, uh, a few game uh, vendors that had a variety of different choices from different uh production companies that uh, that are very popular right now. Some plush toys, there was some people doing some costuming, you know, a handful of things here and there. And then there was a silent auction that was going on. Now, have you ever been uh, uh, involved with a silent auction, Richard? That was no. Okay. Did uh, you like that? Because it was silent, right? Yeah, yeah that, that, that was good. Um, you know, neither did I. But um, they do it not just to raise money for themselves, but they also donate uh, half of it to the charity uh, that is involved with it. And I believe the charity was something to do with having a safe place for uh, uh, LG... Uh, L-G-B-Q-T? Something like that. I, I lose track of all the, the letters, but uh, having a safe place for, for them to be able to to do things. And, you know, any time that a convention can take some of its energy and put it towards a charitable cause like that is, is really nice. Um, and I was happy to see that. And I attempted to donate to it uh, by buying some of the stuff in the silent auction, and none of my bids were successful because... I had never done a silent auction before, so I wrote down my bid and I left. And it said something about, "Oh, we'll text you." In my mind, that means if you get beat on your bid, we'll text you. No, no, uh, we'll text you if you win. (laughs) Yes. So I've never been a part of one,
1: but I do understand how they how they work. It's like you got one shot, man. So you got to put your money
0: in, and whoever's got the highest bid. They're the winner. Yeah, I, 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 I missed that part. And there was something that I actually really did want. I did not bid high enough. Though, to be fair, I don't know how high I would have bid. a lot of times when you get these really nice silent auctions, people will pay significantly more for things than they really should because you know the money's going to a charitable cause, too. So, I mean, it's it's a good thing all in all.
1: Can you then take that money that you used for that auction and use it as a tax write-off?
0: I would expect that you could. I mean, why not? Um, The only thing that I'm kind of disappointed at is I I didn't win and I didn't go back to actually just donate something anyway. It's my time. I spaced it just completely. It was on my list and I was gone. It's like, oh, man. But, uh, you know, I'll get to it at at some point. Um, So there is the vendor hall, but it's a really small section of it. There's also a stage where they would have a variety of different things going on, whether it's uh, there were events in there that would teach you how to use a specific game-related software, or uh, we were
1: in... Weapons? Like nunchucks? A bow staff? Software. Oh, okay. (laughs)
0: Like there is a a mobile game that, uh, and I'm spacing the name of it right now, but the whole presentation was this. You've got to do stuff... Every day, you've got a list of stuff that you have to do. I've got to do my laundry. i got to wash the dishes. i got to sweep the floor. And sometimes it's hard to get motivated. Well, there's this game that if you create these lists, as you check things off of your list, you get little power-ups. So you can be part of a party as a fighter or a thief. And then you can go after monsters and successfully completing these tasks We'll do damage to the monster. And if you don't finish things, you take damage. And then everybody has different powers. And I can see how it would be really useful for some people. I couldn't. I just looked at it. It's like, yeah, why don't I just check everything? That's it. That was how my brain would work. It's so like, that's not going to motivate me to do anything. I'm just going to create a 2,000-long list thing. Go check, 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 check. I win! And it's just, it wouldn't work. Interesting concept, right? Yeah. you got to start somewhere. Well, I'm, and, and like I said, I think there's a lot of personality types that I could really work with. I just, you know, I'm not one of them. Um, so, you know, and, and they had uh, like uh, improv groups at a certain point. Uh, if you've ever seen a professional improv group, it is a fantastic thing. And if you've ever seen a not professional improv group, well, that's maybe a mixed bag, depending Um I, I had a hard time getting into what they were doing, but that may have been also because I was hungry and focused on my lunch and was only kind of half paying attention. It was the only place to sit.
1: What, what were they
0: uh, improvising? Uh, they had some fun ideas. So the, you know, the one that, that uh, springs to mind is the idea is we're making a movie, and it's going to be this genre, and you're going to start the plot, and go, and we're going to randomly change the genre of the film in the middle. And you have to adapt to it. It's like, oh, that, that could be a lot of fun. Um, I did not... Uh, I only heard about half of it, like I said. And it just it didn't click with me. But again, improv is very specific. Some people really appreciate it, and some people, eh, not so much. Um, but the you, you can do a, a variety of different things. They still, like I said, they've got vendors. They've got... Uh, food that's local. Now, interestingly, because it was in a hotel, the hotel kind of seemed to be the one uh, catering the particular event, which makes sense. But uh, there was a very fun little thing uh, where you can be part of a bridge crew. Like, you want to be part of the Enterprise, get four other people, and you each take stations. Uh, One person is the helm. One person is weapons. One person is engineering. One person is science. And you're, you're trying to make the ship do what you want it to do, and uh, achieve the mission while the uh, computer tries to kill you. It, it looked pretty neat. Uh, uh, the, my wife uh, had the opportunity to test that one out, and she enjoyed it thoroughly. Um, so, I mean, it, it, that was kind of neat. They had a variety. They, the one thing that you get in most game conventions, that's my favorite part, is a game library. You take your driver's license, you give it to the guy, you take a game, and you go play it for however long you need to. And they even have little signs looking for players, you know, that kind of thing. So if you, there's a game you wanted to test but you didn't want to buy it, uh, you know, there's a ton there. Like Yahtzee? Yes, sure. <laughs> like, like Yahtzee. <laughs> they did have traditional games. I don't know if I saw Yahtzee there, but <laughs> this is this is uh, advanced board gaming. Uh, oh, okay. And, and, and role-playing games.
1: Could, could you be part of the group where you were um, at... At controlling a ship, and could you just be like, take the helm, or just you know,
0: (laughs) engage? Why not? You You get into it as much as you want to. I mean, a lot of people really do get into these things, and the the key though, the the primary thing that that Hoosier Con and when we end up going to Gen Con is really known for is there is a booklet of events that occurs and there's a visual here and you're not seeing it, but uh, pages just filled with different games that you can become a part of, or different uh, different things to learn, uh, different seminars that are going on. But usually it's games, games to play, uh, whether it's part of just an individual play or somebody is uh, testing out a game that they created, or there's a tournament that's involved. I know back in the day with Gen Con, there were poker tournaments at one point. So, and for money, on because, you know, why would you play poker not for money? But that's another. You can play Udo for money now. Well, you could. I can imagine that would make it a little more interesting, potentially. But, uh, so, you sign up for the events in advance, and then you just go to the events, and then when you're in between events, get your food or whatever, and then take a look at the vendor f- floor and all the other things that you have to do. So, it's it's. It's a fun thing. It's a free event, which is, first of all, really cool. If you want to spend three days gaming, meet some new people, not even necessarily spend anything other than maybe the gas that it takes to get there and, uh, and money for your meals, it's a fun time. Is there beer there? Not specifically. Um, it's a family Kind of an event.
1: Couldn't go and get rowdy then is what you're saying. Not
0: really. And you can't bring anything on site. So Mm. I I did not see any beverages of the alcoholic persuasion. But uh, I'm sure people probably snuck the occasional flask in with nobody looking.
1: What about some of the other conventions we're comparing? Like if you go to, to Gen Con, for example, are there different... Vendors, food vendors there that like you can go like a beer station or like a mixed drink station.
0: The answer is yes and no. When you're on the main convention floor uh, of the Indianapolis <laughs> Convention Center, generally speaking, uh, on, on GenCon, you're not going to find alcoholic beverages at all. Now, GenCon is so big, there's no way for everybody to eat at the at the convention center. There's just not enough there, uh, so they also have food trucks that line up outside the convention center. Some of those food trucks can occasionally have something like that. I, I I, seem to remember seeing it. But really, if you're wanting that beverage, I mean, you're downtown Indianapolis. There's any number of different restaurants. There's bars right there that. across the street. And in fact, uh, Gen Con is big enough. Every year, they have there are, is a, a brew house, or maybe even two now, that creates a beer specifically for Gen Con. And they release it at Gen Con with usually a uh, custom glass that you can go. Sold out before the first day every day, or every time it happens. So you better get there on uh, Wednesday if you want to get that, and good luck.
1: Hmm. Popular.
0: Yeah, extra. Well, there's
1: some good breweries that are downtown. Too, yes, there so. are. Yes, there are. If you're listening, and you're not from Indiana, and you think that Indiana is boring, well, it is, but Indiana- Indianapolis <laughs> is it's actually one of the more popular cities to hold events at yeah uh, just just talk to or listen to uh, sports casts for uh, like the, the the big ten tournaments for football and basketball um, are often in Indianapolis the uh, NFL combine is always in in uh, Indianapolis. Like it's a place where a lot of people hold conventions and there's a lot of fun things to do in the downtown Indianapolis area.
0: Oh, yeah. And in, in comparing the size of the conventions, I mean, the Hoosier Con took all of this hotel, this Wyndham, but when Gen Con comes to town, it takes the entire convention center, all of the attached hotels, the uh, stadium. Next to it, uh, takes uh, um, takes the um, I about the train station. <laughs> That'd be dope if there was a train station. Well, there kind of was. Uh, um, it is. Uh, I'm I'm spacing the name of it. It's uh, it was a train station at one point. But it's not anymore. And whatever the name of that,
1: can you get can you get onto Lucas Oil? Because like, weren't you saying they they have it's so big that they've expanded the things onto Lucas. Oh yeah, Uh,
0: it's it's most certainly that big. And in fact, the Wyndham that HoosierCon was at is a hotel that I stayed at a couple years ago. Was the closest I could get to hmm. the convention center, and it's not downtown. It's not even close to downtown. So, I mean, if if you're going to go the big ones, you better plan. But that's the nice thing about HoosierCon. HoosierCon is something, yeah, I mean, the parking was a little tight in the hotel parking lot, but you were never just shoulder to shoulder with masses uh, all over the place. Uh, There wasn't that kind of gamer funk smell. You didn't feel overwhelmed because when you go to a Gen Con, I, I was visually showing the, the book for HoosierCon, and it's you know probably a good, I don't know, 15, 20 pages of stuff to do. Uh, Gen Con's book is uh, well over 100, um, and I'm probably undershooting that significantly. Um, there's just so much to do. You're never, never going to do everything at Gen Con. Do not try. You will go insane. You have to pick and choose and just understand you're gonna get about 5%, maybe. So for me, when I go to Gen Con, the vendor hall is is the key to me. That's where I wanna be more than anything else. Because it is so large, if you're going to stop at the booths, you will not finish it on the first day, almost certainly. Not if you're really looking at stuff. And if you're just walking by, yeah, you can do a pass-through, it'll take you several hours. To go through if you're just walking through. That's the size of that. But with HoosierCon, the vendor hall takes you what 20 minutes, maybe. And that's stopping and looking at all the stuff. The more important thing is all of the events that you're going to be going to and just learning the new games and playing. Like we played Everdell. Uh, we you know met two really nice people we'd never played games to or games with before. And we played Everdell, which is a really nice strategy game where you each play small uh, forest animals that are vying for uh, the best little town that they can make. And you're trying to get all of the resources you need in twigs and pebbles and resin and berries to be able to create the structures you want and lure all the little chipmunks and owls and things into your city that you want to reside there. It's got a little three-dimensional board, really, really well done. Beautiful game. Uh, we were going to play Wingspan while we were there. It's another of the one newer games that we've played that we really enjoy. Where you basically you're essentially playing an Audubon. Somebody really likes birds, and you're trying to get birds to nest in your area and you've got uh grasslands and a and a forest area and the wetlands and so you're vying for you're vying for enough um enough resources to be able to get the birds there but it's whereas everdell is a game okay I, i'm gonna back up here i'm getting ahead of myself there's a reason that i love these games if you're not a gaming person you're, you were talking about yahtzee a minute ago most people know the standard games These standard games have a very specific way of doing things. You take a turn. I take a turn. We're usually rolling dice. Let's see what randomly happens. Maybe a little bit of strategy to it, but not too much. Then you start getting into what I call the gateway games, um, like Settlers of Catan. So it's still really based in randomness. You're still rolling dice, but you're actually forming the board as you go along kind of and putting things in place and strategizing how you're trying to get the rest of the game to go it's a little bit more in depth it's still not super uh, super heavy in terms of uh, function but it's it, it gets you an idea of what some of these more complex games can do but once you start getting into the next tier of games you get games that break down the concept of what it means to have a turn in a game what you're doing in a game so, in most games, we're operating at the exact same time. We're going to finish the game at the exact same time. With me winning, that's up. I mean, sure, absolutely. Everdell, it's not the case. There are going to be four seasons. People will finish the seasons at different times. So, I've often played Everdell where I'm in the first season while everybody else is in the third season, which means i actually get a lot more actions than everybody but there's also downsides to it as well so you're trying to kind of balance you have a very limited amount of space in your town i've got 15 spots i if i build i can't get rid of something so what is it that i'm choosing to put in here what's important it, it it's a it's a management game in, in certain respects but managing both space and time and a lot of other things whereas wingspan uh, you're all operating at the same time, but instead of a game where I get these actions every time, every round, you start with a certain number of actions that you can do, and every round you get less because you're dedicating resources to a, a victory point board. It's always four rounds that you're, or always four turns that you're playing, and but you're losing one action each turn that you play because it's going. So you have. You have to do more with less as the game progresses. So, I mean, it's these kinds of things that you get to learn. And some some games are about like role-playing games. I mean, Dungeons & Dragons is, of course, the classic thing that everyone thinks about. But there are so many role-playing games with different concepts. Some of them don't even use dice. It's it's just make a character, create a story together within a very specific environment. So, it's, it's just different ways of interacting and finding a way to kill a few hours at a time. Um, A lot of fun. Are you ready for that when we do go to Gen Con?
1: Well, I was thinking uh, my best twig and berries.
0: (gasps) Joke, buddy. I, yeah, yeah, off on it. It's, it's inevitable. I've, I've made that joke myself when we played Everdell. It's just like uh, wood for sheep when you're playing Catan. It's it was such a popular joke, it made it into the Big Bang Theory television show. So it's 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 to be expected. Um, but so you know, you do this, go for a day, go for three days, it kind of has as much to it as you want to have. If you're looking for uh, celebrities. You're not going to get celebrities. Not not yet. Hoosier Con is growing, but it's not that kind of convention. Uh, if you're looking, like I said, for a big vendor hall, again, not not really what Hoosier Con is about. They have some good stuff, but it's going to be a smaller space. It's, it's about those connections that you can make and the games that you can play. Well, you were there i don 't know if I consider myself a celebrity yet, <laughs> but uh, so speaking of which we 're going to have our little interview here in just a moment. This is a short episode if i haven 't said so before we 're just kind of giving you a little nugget, and it gives us a chance to uh, catch our breath for some some really good content that 's coming up because we 're going to be really busy with some Marvel movie reviews and a variety of fantastic interviews that we've got lined up so having something a little bit shorter maybe just to whet the appetite.
1: Well, one Marvel review and kind of another one in a name that's not in the name. Well, that's true. Yeah, that is true. So And then and um, then the dark is a dark horse? Dark horse,
0: yeah. yeah. So yeah. We're going to
1: have one we're going to have like one of each of the three that People generally pay more attention to
0: well them. sort of. But Dark Horse is absorbed by DC. DC. So yeah, uh, it's six one and a half dozen the other. But now on to the interview. And until next time, you know where to find us. We have Twitter at RealPuddingGuys. Guys. And we are on Instagram.
1: Pudding Guys.
0: (laughs) Exactly. So, Pudding Guys. So, if you can't see, this is where we're following the Bouncing Ball. And we're also on Facebook. Pudding Guys. And, more importantly, we're now on Patreon. If you'd like to support the Pudding Guys, help us... Get to those conventions. Help us get those really excellent interviews to have cool people tell us about the cool parts of their lives. Or, you know, if you just think that uh, better equipment would be something that would be useful to us. Maybe a really snazzy uh, 4K camera. Donate $1 a month. You know, any, any little bit helps. And we also do, so,
1: the the Twitch account that we've got. Oh, yeah. Um, on Twitch. Pudding guys. <laughs> That one, we generally are live on now with zero viewers. So uh, if you want to be one viewer, that'd be great. Uh, A lot of times it's at night, Tuesday-ish, Wednesday-ish, and now we're going to get in the habit of trying to throw out some info a couple days ahead of time so people have an idea on when we're going to be doing our podcast. So you can actually see us in all of our glory, um, but actually do the podcast a week, a month, before it ever gets put on uh, the platform.
0: Exactly. And we're going to do this with interviews. We're going to do it with our movie reviews. Every little aspect, you will have a chance to get that foot in the door just a little bit before everybody else. And then, in case you missed it, it's not a huge deal because we will release it on iTunes and Google. And, of course, we've got YouTube coming out, too. So And production values on these things are incredible. Yeah, you're going to be amazed. <laughs> But, again, on to the interview. All right, I'm here with Nick Shoemaker that is associated with Who's Your Con. Thank you for taking a moment to talk
2: with me, Nick. Hey, no problem, Ken. So what exactly is it that you do for Who's Your Con? Uh, This year I am Who's Your Con's con chair, so I'm responsible for overseeing the whole shebang this time. So what exactly does that mean? Does that mean you have all of the responsibility and none of the fun? Well, sometimes it seems like that or it would seem like it would uh, be that way. But no, actually, uh I'm very fortunate to have a fantastic staff that takes care of almost all the work for me, uh and they basically at that point have to just escalate any issues or problems or decision making to me, and that makes my job a whole lot easier cuz they they put in most of the work and I get to sit there and take all the credit.
0: <laughs> that's that's pretty that's pretty excellent, really. What What is HoosierCon? I mean, a lot of people don't know. There's so many conventions. Not everybody knows every mm-hmm. convention. And this is maybe a, a smaller convention that is uh, an up-and-comer. How long have you been doing this convention, and what's it about?
2: Sure. Uh, HoosierCon this year is it in its 11th year uh, under this brand. It actually spent its first three years prior to that called MavenCon, and it started off as just a group of friends who wanted to have a gaming weekend, and they wanted to make it open to the public so that they could not only sit with their friends, but if anybody else wanted to join, they could do that, and they rented a room at a hotel, uh, and there was less than 50 people there total, and uh, they just kind of hung out for the weekend and had a good time. And the goal then for them, as they, they had it again the next year and more people came, and then the following year more people came, they decided maybe this should be something kind of official. So, what they did was they formed a group. Uh, they called it HoosierCon Con, or Hoosier Gamers is the parent organization actually. And the mission of Hoosier Gamers was to spread the love of hobby gaming throughout central Indiana by providing free and low cost gaming opportunities. HoosierCon is the sort of tentpole or flagship event, if you want to call it that. Uh, It's our largest event of the year, but it's not the only thing we do as an organization. We also hold an event called Thanks for Giving in November, uh, which we use as a food collection drive for a food pantry. We do game nights at local libraries. Uh, We're involved with some of the uh, schools in the area as well and help provide any other uh, advice to groups that want to ask us for our help and knowledge of games and bringing the love of that to their events as well with our game library that we can take they can borrow uh, games and Folks will come and rent them, play them for a couple hours. Very knowledgeable game librarian, Greg, that runs that for us, goes to most of those events and and knows more about each individual game there than I could ever possibly imagine. He helps guide people to what they might want to play based on their interests. Maybe they don't know uh, much about modern gaming, past Monopoly and Sorry and Boggle and all those things we loved growing up. And uh, he, he is really good about helping people move into some of the newer games, the newer ways that game, uh, the way that game design has moved into strategy and some other uh, fun things along those lines. So I take it you were probably a bit of a gamer before you came into this position? A little bit, yeah. I, uh, I came to this group uh, on, a, on a lark a little bit, actually. I found out about it through another convention locally and uh, decided to come and check it out stepped up and uh, had a fantastic time the first one I came to thought I would go ahead and volunteer and the next thing I knew they just kept me kept me coming back and uh, love giving back to this group
0: So clearly, uh, you have all sorts of gaming opportunities that you can register for and take part in as part of this convention. There's uh, some on-site food and a vendor hall. What are a couple of
2: things that people might not be aware of that are associated with the convention? Uh, With this convention, there's kind of a couple little sub-conventions or mini-cons that it seems like that have taken place or have grown to take place here. One of them is called Motley Kids. Uh, Motley Kids is run by Matt and Nikki Borsma. They do an entire kids programming track here so for younger kids small as two or three up to about eight uh, they do a lot of crafts and gaming activities in uh, a separated room here uh, where it's not really a, a babysitting sort of event where kids can, or where parents can just drop off their kids but it is a great way to get their kids involved and, and get them started uh, with learning these skills that they can have from from gaming and they can move then on up to the next group which is called grow a gamer just more of the the teens and tweens area uh, and they they also have uh, age appropriate things for those kids to to do and be involved with uh, on the other end of the convention we also have some organized play groups that come with us every year pathfinder society comes and runs quite a few tables uh, as well as the dungeons and dragons adventurers league
0: i also noticed there's a, at least a couple of charitable organizations that uh, take part in the convention
2: mm-hmm. tell me a little bit about that Sure, absolutely. Um, we, for the last several years, have been doing a blood drive, so the Indiana Blood Group uh, comes to with their big bus, they bring it out in the parking lot, uh, gives opportunities for gamers to go out and, and donate some blood, and we have some goodies for them that's special just for, uh, just for attempting to do that or, or going out and donating. This year we had some shot glasses that we gave out for them with some fun little phrasing on it about failing their piercing save and and that sort of thing, a little silly but we like it. Uh, we also this year have sponsored uh, or have partnered with, excuse me, the Indiana Youth Group for our silent auction. The Hoosier Gamers runs a silent auction from donated games and other items over in our vendor hall, and the proceeds from that get split with a charity. Uh, the whole point of Hoosier Gamers is to give back to the community and, and bring everyone together from the love of gaming, spread that love, help your community, and uh, this year it's the Indiana Youth Group that we've partnered with for that.
0: Now, I did notice something kind of interesting. You, you always have a lot of game-specific stuff that's going on, and there's uh, sometimes some branching out in some different directions. But one of the interesting notes that I saw, and I always enjoy seeing this at any convention, there is a even a renewal of vows that's happening. Oh,
2: yeah. Uh, so Peter and Heather Anderson uh, came to renew their vows. They met at a Hoosier Con, and uh, goodness, I'm not going to remember, I think eight or nine years ago. Uh, it was where they originally met. They got married a couple of years later. Um, they've since moved out of town. They used to live here. Peter was very involved with the organization personally uh, for many years on the board of directors and uh, they moved away to uh, Missouri, I believe, and they recently have come back and uh, wanted to be here and share that that part of their life with us again, so they came to do a vow renewal ceremony with us. Well,
0: the convention has certainly grown from its original size. Being in a single room, you take up an entire hotel convention area. Do you see that growth continuing? Do you think it's going to... uh uh, maybe not rival gen con but oh. <laughs> uh, but but maybe be a, of, of a larger scope where you will need more space
2: you know like i said it was really neat to watch this convention grow it started off as a group of less than 50 people and this year we're probably looking in the vicinity of 2,000 to 2,500 attendees um, we for several years experienced growth of 20 to 40 percent year over year and it, the infrastructure that we have to try and support that is a, a little more challenging as the numbers grow but the popularity of this con just keeps growing and growing through word of mouth and that's really all the advertising we do. We, we don't spend money on newspaper or television or radio ads or anything like that. People just, they, they love coming here and then they tell their friends and their friends come and they tell more people and it continues to grow. So yeah, I, I see this convention grow, continuing to grow. Uh, and as we continue to do that, we will have to keep looking and finding out where where we can uh, have this convention, make sure everybody has room to game. Well. One last thing
0: I want to mention that, that is just a fabulous part of this convention, the fact that it does not have an entry fee, being able to come in and just be with everybody, game with everybody, meet new people, learn new things but there is the option to contribute to the organization at a couple of different levels. Correct. Describe that a little bit for the listeners that may want to uh, give a little bit more to an organization that obviously is uh, giving so much fun to everybody else.
2: Absolutely. So, uh, like we said before, there's no badge fee for this convention. Uh, We are completely run by volunteers, and all of the funds for this come through a membership program to our parent organization, Who's Your Gamers. Um, There are two different supporting... Uh, membership levels. One of them is just called supporting member. Uh, the current dues for that are twenty-five dollars per year. That provides some benefits to those supporting members, along the lines of uh, some some swag, some free games that we're able to provide for them from our sponsors, um, and and fun little things, cups and dice, and that sort of thing. Uh, we also have a, what we call a high roller membership, and these are for folks who are willing and able to go a little bit above and beyond that. It is on a, a limited. Uh, kind of a limited run sort of thing where for $100 a year in dues um, they get a few extra perks. Um, we, we guarantee them their t-shirt size, so we pull those out ahead of time. Just, just a couple of little extra thank yous for, for those folks who want to go above and beyond with that. And it's really their uh, philanthropy that keeps this organization going and growing.
0: Well, thank you very much, Nick. I appreciate your time and sharing with us a little bit about what goes on here at HoosierCon, and uh, hopefully we'll see you again next year.
2: And Absolutely, I appreciate it. Thanks, Ken.